Creativity is contagious. Pass it on in any way possible. Albert Einstein. On today's episode of Bring in Creativity, we are joined with Arielle Astoria. Arielle is a spoken word poet, gifted writer and author, captivating authentic MC, speaker and actor. Through various aspects of storytelling, Arielle creates environments and spaces where audiences have the permission to be vulnerable and seen. Her motto, words not for the ears but for the soul, stems from her dedication to remind anyone who encounters her and her work that words are meant to be felt and experienced, not just heard. With a specific heart and empowering, encouraging, and making space for audiences of women to feel at home in their own bodies. Hi, Arielle. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be joined with you today to discuss finding your calling and not only that, but your talent. I feel like you have such a great way of just captivating an audience, specifically female listeners. So I'm super excited to be joined with you today. Mm, Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I love to start off each episode with just a a cute little quirky question, and I'd love to throw it your way. Um, So what is your go-to coffee or tea order? My go-to coffee order is usually an iced oat latte with either a honey or a lavender or whatever is accessible um, at the shop I'm going to. My tea order is usually a um, matcha lemonade that can be iced. um, And then if it's hot, then just a matcha tea latte. I love how you have two. Yes. It's iconic to have two. You can't just have one. (laughs) (laughs) No, we have to have options for sure. Absolute options, especially. And it all depends how you're feeling that day too. Uh Like I can't, I can't tell someone that I have like one. I mean, one day I'm feeling iced, next I'm not. You gotta have some variety in there to switch up your routine. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I want you to just bring me into your world for a second. Mm. So what's your story? And how did you get into being a poet, speaker, author, all that fun stuff? Yeah. So my story is there's definitely a through line of of creativity and of artistry. I always kind of shared that when I was growing up, I had this alter ego. Her name was Erica Wallace and she <laughs> would perform and make up songs and wear clicky heels and have a whole microphone. I grew up in the nineties. So those microphones with like the springy little things inside of it were really oh, popular. Yeah, uh-huh, yes. <laughs> and the little like flat feather also plastic shoes with like boas like that. That was me. I, I was always kind of a put on a one woman show kind of person. And then obviously you get older and, you know, life tells you to be practical, to get a job, to do X, Y, and Z, to be successful in this world. And so um, I'm also the oldest child. So I had a lot of, you know, be the example, um, set the tone kind of pressure as well. And so I went to an arts high school which was a really beautiful entryway into, I think, what I'm doing now and finding the space and the permission to pursue it, but also pursue it practically. But even in high school, I was like, okay, this is school. This is fun. I love doing my extracurriculars on the side. And then as I got to college, I wanted to figure out how to keep that practical and creative line. And so I studied psychology and theater in hopes of doing child therapy or um, art therapy for gifted children. 
And that was like my first intention. I was like, okay, I'm going to work with kids on the spectrum. I'm going to do play therapy. And that's kind of my way into both worlds. And that shifted as I got more involved in college. I fell in love with college students and doing theater in that space as well on the side, but mostly being a resident director and a resident advisor in any type of leadership opportunity I found myself in. So then it kind of shifted, okay, what if college students actually are in my realm? And art started to, and creativity started to dwindle a little bit more and more and became more of just like, oh, that's a fun thing I do on the side all throughout college. So much so that I almost graduated and my plan was to stay at a university to get my master's in leadership and just work as a resident director in student life for oh, wow. until I was bored. Um, and so that was that was <laughs> the plan. Um, all the while, I was still performing here and there. Um, I still kept my theater minor. So I shifted my major to a minor because I was like, I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. This is just a fun little thing we do on the side. So I don't need to major in it because it's really competitive and I'm not a competitive person. And so all the while though, I was still um, performing and I found myself on our college's poetry competitive team for two years and really loved that. Ended up taking over the club when the president graduated. And then I got to my senior year and it was like, okay, I'm tossing up these creative things that I really love doing, but I'm honestly afraid to fully pursue at the same time being in love with college students and really loving that leadership development aspect. And as I got closer to graduation, I kind of left up a little prayer, if you will, to the universe or to God or whoever that is for you. And I remember getting off stage after being chosen to speak as a senior. And I was like, you know what, if I was supposed to do that for the rest of my life, I think that I would. And I graduated and decided to spend the next year as a creative. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that looked like. And that year has now turned into uh, five or six. I don't know. I don't do numbers well. I write words. So um, whatever, graduating in 2015 (laughs) to this present day, I've been a full-time creative um, since then. When hearing your story, well, first of all, it's so beautiful to hear pretty much everything that you Mm. considered, like the ups and downs of it all, and including me and now listeners in your entire story. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. And it's amazing how it's not just, I I feel like as an outsider listening in, that it's not just Mm -hmm. like one pivotal moment. You kind Mm -hmm. of had a few throughout Mm -hmm. those few years that you were really like discovering yourself, like you knew you were meant to do something creative, but it was like the speech, being able to speak in your senior year, but then also you thought it was going to be children at first, but then you were able to work with college students. And Mm -hmm. then you thought, okay, so wait, what I thought about myself is actually, you know, something else. It's still in the same field and spectrum, but it's a little more advanced to what I thought it was going to be until I experienced this one moment. So you don't just have one pivotal breakthrough, you you kind of had a few throughout quite a few right. years. Yeah, absolutely. I would say like, I think a lot of times we look at those seasons in our life and and we think like, oh my gosh, like how, how chaotic, you know, how um, uncoordinated and 
when I look back at it, the more I realize how intentional each step and each thing and each decision was and how it led me to where I am now. And so there was a lot of pivotal moments. And I like to say that art kind of like chased me, (laughs) you know, like it didn't find me. Um, It had always found (laughs) me, but it definitely chased me. And, And so that is definitely a through line of like, you know, I kept coming back to this creative aspect of who I was. And no matter what I did, no matter how practical I thought I was going, there was this door that just always ended up leading to the same place, you know? And so I think there's definitely more of a through line in all of our stories than than I think we realize. Yes, 100%. I completely agree. And when you were telling the story about, and first of all, like you said, it doesn't really find you it, it kind of mm-hmm. like almost like you're chasing it it's in you and mm-hmm. I remember you know when I've talked to you know even my my mom I love bringing her up in episodes but <laughs> because your your parents I know they you might have it on video from the 90s or your parents have told you and yeah you probably have good memories of you putting on those heels with the little you know fuzzies at oh, the yeah. end with the spring mm-hmm. old-fashioned probably like Barbie influenced <laughs> microphone or anything <laughs> like that it, you know we I have those core memories too. And as a female creative, it's like in the moment when, of course, when we're kids and we're, you know, naive and we've got our fun imaginations, we just think Mm -hmm. this is so much fun. But when you get older and you look back where someone talks to you about what you were like when you were a child, it's great to be able to bring our childlike imagination skills into our adult years. And yeah. it's so, it's so special to be able to do that. When my, my parents talk about what I did then, it, it makes me realize that even when I lost track of my creative side through mm-hmm. different years of my life and different phases of my life, when I think mm-hmm. back to that moment in my childhood, I realized right. it was innate and it was, I was meant to do something and, and it didn't mean I needed to dance on my tippy toes to um, <laughs> the Spice Girls for the rest of my life, but it meant that I was meant to do something that yeah. sparked creativity for, for others too. Yeah, and that's why it's absolutely. like amazing to talk to people like yourself because it's crazy how we also almost have like laces and moments mm-hmm. that we've experienced. And I feel like we never have like unique moments. And that's what I find yeah. so funny is that we've all gone through something Um, And only through conversation can we discover that we might have done something to signify what we are going to end up doing in our later years. Right. Absolutely. And just kind of noticing and, and I think going back to just what it's, like a testament and an example, our younger selves, you know, even though some of us might be, oh, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a this, you know, and a firefighter, we wanted to be all these things. But I think there's some truth in, in some of those professions that like our little precious hearts wanted to be a part of and wanted to yeah. create. And I think there's so much genuine, just like pure truth to, to those little minds and what they said they wanted to be when they grew up. Mm-hmm. And it's always so exciting. You know, I, I don't know if you experienced the same thing, but did it ever change a lot for you as a kid where you said you were going to be something one day and then something another day was going to be something else? Or oh, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was like, oh, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a this, which I... The and it's our imagination. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely your imagination. And it's funny, is some of the things I did say as a kid that I wanted to be, I did end up being a teacher. I did end up being a this, you know, and so it's like kind of funny to be like, oh my gosh, like, 
were those like genuine things that I said out loud or were they silly, you know, and really kind of um, sitting through what those things we spoke over ourselves so young. Yeah. Like, was I psychic? Was I born with mm-hmm. <laughs> a sequel? Exactly. Like, what was exactly. Yeah. I, I, it changed so much for me as a kid, but at one point I said, you know, I want to be in front of a microphone and, you know, mm-hmm. I thought it was singing or something like that, but it ended up being podcasting. So it's funny how yeah. we kind of have these moments um, earlier on when we think we want to do something and it ends up kind of being pretty similar. It's just in a exactly. different format. Mm-hmm. Hey, creatives. I'd love to personally invite you to join our creative community over at Daniela Bunte Designs. I'm sending monthly email newsletters to those subscribed that contain free resources and tools to help grow and understand your business from the bottom up. Click the link in the show notes to join, and I can't wait to see you in our community taking part and engaging with these tools. Now let's get back to the episode. So we've been talking so much about, you know, our early years and how like our environment, I feel like sometimes, but also something inside of us knows what we love. And how would you describe yourself? Like whether it be your childhood years or your teenage years or your adolescence, like anything like that, how would you describe yourself before you discovered your true calling that you are now pursuing to this day? Yeah. Well, I mean, you have that wave of very confident, very show up in her space and take up space as <laughs> a kid because we're allowed to, you know, and there's no, there's no second guessing our permission to do that. And then you get older and things shift a little bit. And um, as I got older, I definitely leaned into this quieter, smaller space where I didn't uh-huh. want to take up too much. You know, I felt I was around a lot of girls and a lot of people who were who were smaller than me and so I just lived very small in my body um and didn't really know how to how to take up that space and how to exist so it's always really funny to share like uh, me coming into where I'm at now um that's I wasn't a little girl on on stages doing you know whatever she wanted to do I I had a best yeah. friend who kind of spoke on behalf of me and, and I had to relearn what it meant to be myself and to fully be myself with audacious permission and um that became a lot of my work in my intention is just like, oh, wow, I operated in a space that was way smaller than I was meant to operate and how many other people, how many other women exist in the same way. And so a lot of my work became as I was unraveling out of that space, how helping and unlocking other women and being able to do that as well. I've been there and I've gone through mm-hmm. that exact same thing. And it's so crazy to hear from you to know that Sometimes I feel like you think you're alone when you go through a phase of your life where you feel like the whole world revolves around you to ultimately be more aware of the world and kind of see some things, experience some things that obviously aren't ideal and they shape us Mm -hmm. into who we are today. But just sometimes those negative things that can happen to you or the Mm -hmm. world just in general can make you feel like you need to be smaller to fit a norm totally, and you take a step back to avoid judgment and you take a step back so that people aren't looking at you weird and you take a step back because mm-hmm. maybe people are looking at pursuing creative as not legitimate. And so you don't want to express it in, you know, publicly always. So to go through that and, and I get told, and I'm going to about to ask you this as, as well. When I tell people that, you know, naturally or 
I went through this where I was very quiet and timid mm-hmm. and afraid to express myself to the world. Mm-hmm. People would say now when they see me who I am now, they'll say, Oh my God, I never would have guessed. What right. do you mean? You would like, and I think, <laughs> well, of course we don't know anything right. about each other. Do you get that right. too? Where someone say, yeah. says they would never guess. Oh, absolutely. I give that more often, but, it, but you're so this, but you're so that. And it's like, yeah, but you do, I don't think oh, very often do we just become or are we're just are those things. I do think sometimes it takes a a chiseling, a becoming. And so it's like, oh, I know this is crazy, huh? I didn't you didn't think that that would be yeah. me before this point. But yeah, it absolutely was. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't go through being timid and quieter or smaller and better words, do you think you'd be who you are today? I don't think so. I think I need, I think that was part of it. You know, I, I I would never negate or take away that aspect of my journey because I, it's, it's all a part of it, you know, and it was all necessary. And so I definitely think, um, I could have gotten here (laughs) in a different way, maybe, um, eventually, but, um, I do think that where I was and how, because I didn't know how to be fully myself and take a the full amount of space that I know to stay I'm meant to, I think I needed to be able to have that balance in order to know who I was supposed to step into. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And sometimes I make jokes where I'm just one of those people where I I love when life just feels aligned and balanced. Mm. And it's like, mm-hmm. wow, can we just stay in this place? Can we stay <laughs> yes. here? Because it's so yes. nice in the moment. And it makes work feel a little better too when you're exactly. in a good a good space. But uh-huh. if I didn't go through, you know, some things that maybe happened in my childhood or in my teen years right. um, and even into my adult years, um, would I be running a business? Would I be running a podcast? Would I be, you know, doing these things? And a lot of times, and it's hard for me to admit emotions, I think for myself, Mm -hmm. which is why I think talking to you is something that I've been very excited about because Mm -hmm. upfront as a person, I come off, I want to say very, I I try to come off very professional, but there is a side to me that is more emotional. Like if someone brings up something that's been, someone who's been in my life for years and we bring up something that's mm-hmm. touchy to me, I try to hold back on emotions. But then mm-hmm. I think, why am I doing this? Because I wouldn't be who I am today if I haven't embraced this right. side of me. So have I truly mm-hmm. embraced this if I still get emotional about it? And I have a hard yeah. time talking about that side. How do you feel it's okay to embrace our emotions? Like, do you ever feel that way where you can you'll feel emotional about an event, but you've moved on from it, but it's yeah. just in the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I'm a poet, so I have no problem with the permission of sitting with emotions of nesting in emotions. I think that's honestly how I'm yeah. able to do what I do. Um, yeah. And I think there is so much permission and so much grace, especially now where it's like, okay, we have, I don't think we ever fully heal from things. I think we mend some wounds, but those wounds a lot of times are scars. And and it's not oh. that we operate as those scars and yeah. or that we live out, out of those wounds, but that 
we acknowledge that that um, pain was there at that point, you know, that that grief was there at that point. Um, and, and we operate in a sense of like, I've, I've done a lot of work to heal this space, but it doesn't mean it's gone forever. You know, the whole forgive and forget thing is like not a real thing whatsoever. So it's, I think it's, it's okay if we sit in our emotions. I think it's okay if it might take us a little while or, re- or if we find ourselves being like, why am I back here? Um, and finding so much just like gentleness you know with yourself in that space but I I'm the queen of like feel all the feels and don't be afraid to like sit in it sometimes but also know that if it limits your ability um to to do what you feel you're meant to do in this world then maybe it's time to you know I I need to put some of this down because I can't move forward and I haven't talked about this at all yet and I Mm -hmm. actually barely talk about this with anybody and Mm -hmm that was one of my, my key questions was just basically like it would your life events or your emotions be one of the biggest sources of inspiration for when you speak or perform? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge part of, of what I do, like, because when I'm on stage, especially I have to be able to convey emotions in order to have people feel anything. Like if I'm on stage and I'm not feeling any type of emotion, how am I going to expect, you know, anybody else to be able to do the same? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's really important for me to kind of set the example um otherwise how dare I ask people um anything else of of what I'm trying to get them you know to feel or to do if I'm not doing that same thing for myself so I think it's really important um for me to show up vulnerably which gets really exhausting and overwhelming sometimes and you know Brene Brown calls it a a vulnerability hangover and unfortunately in my line of work that's just like part of it you know but I've learned how to what to do to take care of myself in that space I learned how to not overextend when I I have those moments and so it's definitely been a learning process but I do I do think it's part of what I do and a really beneficial part of what I do and that's something great to bring up for anyone that's looking to go live and perform their their written pieces their poetry and they might be scared to just yet because it might have a lot of deep meaning and for yeah. you to bring up that it can be exhausting because you are putting mm-hmm. so much out there <laughs> in one mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like that's such a great thing to put out there because I would never know that, to be honest. If, you know, sitting yeah. in an audience, I wouldn't know how draining it would be to the poet. But totally. I could see yeah. now from hearing from you, like your perspective 100%, if you're putting everything in that moment, how could you mm-hmm. not kind of feel the emotions um, even after when you're done? Right, right, exactly. And it's, I mean, it, it definitely is like I, I hide before I perform and I hide a little bit after or or um, <laughs> if I don't have the space to hide after because I'm engaging with people or, or, or talking or whatever, then on my way home, usually I there's nothing playing in my car. Um, if I'm by myself, I'm not, ta- you know, like unless if it's like my partner or someone who who knows me, then they know usually I'm not talking, <laughs> you know, if I'm in the car. Post Good for you though, like boundaries. I, so, yeah, <laughs> definitely a lot of boundaries and a lot of just like, oh, I have to like recover a little bit from that. Um, and Absolutely. you kind of have to do that work for yourself because um, it's not, it's really not the audience's job to, to be able to do that for you because you're in that space of, of giving. So yeah, it definitely is a long, a long time learning <laughs> for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I say that to people all the time too. It's like you learn, you learn things more about yourself and your process each and every mm-hmm. single day. And we're not, yeah. we're not perfect. So I mean, no. like I can say this is what I do to make my life easier, but I probably am not still the best at it. And I could never try and give like right. free advice while I'm still <laughs> trying to follow it myself. And I'd yeah, love to be absolutely. honest about that. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So you've given tremendous advice and I'm picturing myself like, to be honest, when, when you speak and maybe it's because I'm such a visual listener and learner, Mm -hmm. but I I, I'm picturing myself in your audience. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the emotions that even an audience member would feel after Mm -hmm. listening to you, how does it feel when someone comes up to you and expresses gratitude or expresses like how much Mm -hmm. they appreciate what you just spoke about? Like, does it become a really open space after something, after you perform? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, essentially like what I'm doing is as I'm feeling and and opening up the space and experience for other other people to feel, it becomes a very cracked open, um, very tender space, which I, I really love. And I, I really love sitting in, in those moments. And so for a long time, I would get people, um, who would come up to me and like, um, they would like, I didn't know that was in my head or like, why was I crying? Like, what, (laughs) what did you do to me? You know? And I used to apologize for making people cry. And I stopped doing that a few years ago. So instead I said, thank you for letting me be a part of whatever it was you were feeling or experiencing because that's such an amazing gift you know to be able to be um in that space with people and to be so vulnerable and so open and it's really scary I mean we that's the thing we want the most is to be seen and to be known and yet that's also the thing we are most afraid of and so when we sit in that space to usher that permission to be fully seen and fully known it's beautiful but it's also terrifying so I love being in that space I love talking with people after and I never know all the time how to handle the compliment of it or or the goodness of it sometimes because I, I feel like it's so much bigger than I am. Um, but at the same time, it's it's literally the reason why I do yeah what I do. I feel like that would be such a magical moment mm-hmm. like when you're when you're finished, of course, after you're able to take a break for yourself. Um, but yeah. you know, after all that and to and to hear how the how it's impacted others. And I like how you don't apologize now for people um, <laughs> expressing their emotions while you mm-hmm. have, you know, just spoken. Because at the end of the day, it is something that we should want to feel when we're going to listen to someone open up. We should want to yeah. open up ourselves as well. And yeah. it's amazing that you can open up the floor and a space just for people to feel something and, and to translate a message that, you know, you have gone through, mm-hmm. but maybe the universe is going through too. Yeah. I, I feel like we, we do need that. Like this is like a necessary career path for us to experience. Mm-hmm. Like we can go see singers and we can go see comedians, but like mm-hmm. poetry and spoken word is just something that allows us to realize we're not going through things alone and there's experiences that can allow us to feel like it's a community. Yeah. You're also creating like a huge community for, for others too. And I'm sure you end up seeing regular faces that show mm-hmm. up to your, mm-hmm. to your performances, which is absolutely amazing too. So yeah. you've created a beautiful lifestyle and mm-hmm. you're pursuing something that you absolutely love and you've impacted people along the way in such a positive way. Mm-hmm. How, did you achieve this sense of 
lifestyle freedom. Sometimes um, when I talk to people, they feel like they might be a little trapped Mm. and they don't know how to get out of a rut or they don't know whether to pursue a hobby or whether to pursue a side hustle or whether to go full force into anything. So how would you define your sense of freedom and and what did you do to get here? I know it's not like point, you know, one, two, three, but I feel like a great lifestyle. Yeah. Thank you. Um, no, I have a lot of, I have a lot of fun doing what I do. And, um, oftentimes you're like, Oh, what do you do for fun? I'm like, honestly, like what I do for a living is like really, (laughs) really fun, you know? So I don't really have to go a whole lot out of my way to do things fun because I genuinely enjoy everything I get to do. And so in that though, um, I think the freedom of living is one, I left college and I dove into this world. So I, as also a tentatively sometimes type A personality and who loves control and who loves, you know, to know what's next and not so much anymore because I'm very much so um, into what I'm doing now. But at that point I was in and I didn't get the permission to have anything practical or stable um, to keep me safe. So that was a huge part of it was I wasn't, I didn't get the safety net. I literally just had to jump and Mm. I trusted myself in the jumping. And then after that, it was like, okay, well then I, I got this. Like if I can trust myself in that leap and in that jump, then I can trust myself along the way. And it's obviously has not been smooth by any means just because of that moment of realization or understanding has been very rocky of just, okay, well, in this season, I have to go get this little job and this little job in order to sustain myself. And I'm going to have to make the decision to move in with a family and their five kids because rent is cheap. It allows me to do what it is I want to do. So a lot of sacrifices come into these lives we get to live. It may look like a certain way to other people on the outside but there is I don't believe that there is a I'm I got there I don't think there is a space of like you made it like made it where you know I think it's this constant journey of expanding and experiencing all life has to offer but I think a biggest part of it is is trusting yourself Um, knowing that the road by any means will not be smooth, but also at the same time, enjoying the bumpiness of it all. And knowing that like, you're going to be able to live a life that's not filled with like, what ifs, or I really wish I kind of mentalities, um, because you live the best possible life you could while still doing things that you loved in, in encouraging and meeting people along the way. Trusting yourself is is so important because mm-hmm. if other people don't trust you, at least you have yourself. And I like to right. say to people, like we are our own cheerleaders. So if yep. we're not confident and we don't trust in our own abilities, how's anybody uh-huh. else? So uh-huh. and, and I know we, we do go in waves where obviously we can get down on ourselves and every day is not mm-hmm. glamorous, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. but at least in your own mind, a good chunk of the time, you're trusting yourself and your abilities. Um, right. You're pretty much set and you're good <laughs> to go. And mm-hmm. the outside noise of other people's opinions don't really matter at that point. And again, it's yeah. something that I can preach, but I know I'm yeah. still working on as much as oh, I trust myself. Yeah. I, um, 
I can like let the outside noise, like hate comments or anything like that. I'm like, oh my sure. god, you're right. Why why did I type that? Or why did I post <laughs> sure. this? Or why did I speak about this? And they'll get yes. me for like an hour okay. and then I'm like, oh my god, I just realized I exhausted my mental health for an mm-hmm. hour just considering somebody else's opinions on me when I know I can trust myself. That is such Absolutely. an important um note that you made that um, a lot of people don't talk about yet again. It's just a trust in your your own abilities and what you want out of life. And it might not be six figures or you're like, you're a billionaire. Freedom is so different for everybody. And some people think it's traveling while working. Some people think it's working from home on a part-time basis. You know, there's so many different Mm -hmm. definitions of freedom, but for you Mm -hmm. to say, just start by trusting yourself and working on that um, is one of the best pieces of advice that I've actually just been given and that you could possibly even bring up in this episode. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm like, I didn't do that on purpose, but you're welcome. <laughs> like, thank you for that. Like, you're, you're right. Thanks for the reminder. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, thank you for that. To end things off on this beautiful note, I want to thank you so much for joining me. But mm. before I end it completely, I want to ask yeah. you if there's anything that the listeners should look out for and where could they find you online? Yeah, so everything is my name. So that's A R I E L E Astoria E S T O R I A. Um, that's on Instagram. I'm I'm pretty communicative over there, so don't hesitate to DM me if you hear this episode and something speaks to you. I love, love, love hearing about that. Um, and also you can find me on iTunes and Spotify and Apple Music, wherever you listen and stream um, music or also poetry. You can add me to that list. And I have a new poem that will hopefully be out um, in a few weeks. So um, yeah, look out for, for when that releases. And I will be adding you to my poetry list. And yeah. just everybody knows, everything will be listed below in the show notes so that you can just directly click it and go follow, start a conversation, and listen into everything Ariel's doing. Hi. Thank you so, so much for joining me. This means so much thank to me. You. And thank you again for the amazing piece of, pieces of advice. Because it wasn't just one in this episode, it was multiple. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me, Danielle. Thank you for listening into this week's episode of Brewing Up Creativity. Have you been loving our recent episodes? It would mean a lot if you could leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you're also wondering how you can join us on the podcast, reach out to us at info at brewingupcreativity.com or fill out an inquiry form, which can be found on Instagram at brewingupcreativity, where the link is in our bio.